It's the end of the year. Another year of joys and sorrows, another year of success, and perhaps you may feel a year of failure. Throughout the year, we may have felt God's presence with us to be close at times, and yet sometimes very far away. We may have rejoiced and seen God active in our lives and perhaps in the world around us, while at other times we may have wondered about his promises and his faithfulness to us. We may have doubted. We may have spent many nights on our pillow, awake, worrying, praying, wondering where God is. In the days and the hours or moments before midnight this coming Tuesday, December 31st, we may wonder what the next year holds for us, simply because the future is unknown. The world is very volatile, it's explosive, it's corrupt, seeks power. The weak are downtrodden, the poor and homeless are marginalized, and evil goes unpunished. And we may doubt if we can survive another year like the last one, should another one like the last one occur. But to Christians wondering and perhaps worrying about next year, St. Paul today declares that God's love for us is inseparable. Inseparable. Nothing, Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are times that we lose sight of that when evil happens. We get lost in our own circumstances. Our struggles seem insurmountable. Our sins loom large in our consciences, and we feel like God is far away. What's more, we may be jealous of others' good fortunes and ask ourselves, why does God bless that person and not me? What have I done that God has abandoned me? At times it seems his love is there for other people, for the good Christians and the better Christians than me, but surely not for me. I'm not good enough. My life doesn't seem to be improving. Maybe I did something wrong. But even though it seems God has lost sight of us, in reality, could it be that we have lost sight of him? Perhaps we don't remember. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, because in the midst of the first century, these people needed to know that God's love for them was inseparable. Because very soon troubles would be raining down upon their head, persecution was brewing, and within not many years, it would break out big time. The Roman Emperor Nero would use the Christians as his scapegoat, the way Hitler used Jews to blame for everything during World War II. Nero enjoyed tying Christians to posts in his garden and lighting them up at night for human torches. St. Paul himself would be imprisoned and executed for the faith. When the early Christians were facing this kind of hostility and violence and persecution, you can see how they might think that they've fallen for a big hoax, that there is no God who loves them like they were told, that this fellow Jesus, whom they had never seen, was he worth dying for? On the other hand, though, when you are convinced that God's love is utterly inseparable from you, that Christ Jesus really did die and rise for you and forgives your sins and now is watching out for you so that nothing can take your eternal salvation from you, well, that changes things, doesn't it? 
And so Paul says here in our text from Romans 8, what is it that convinces us that God's love is inseparable? It's the gospel. The concrete action of God and his relationship with his people based on the fulfillment of his covenant, his promise. This is the good news of what God has done for us in Christ. The gospel word has the power within itself to convince us of the truth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. This word gives certainty to our heart. And so this is what Paul writes. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew and he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, Paul didn't say this in a fatalistic way, as many interpret it, that God predestines and foreknows who is going to believe in him. No. He wrote this for comfort for the Romans because they were baptized into his name. They did believe. And for those who did believe in the historical presence of Christ who came and lived and died and rose from the dead, that's how they know that they are chosen because God chose them. This is what scripture does. And this is how God functions to show his inseparable love to his people in the world, not merely through words, but through proof, through action, through his commitment to fulfill his promises. His word reminds us as evidence and future promise given to those who, like us, need to see God acting in a loving relationship with his people. Psalm 77 was a psalm written by Asaph. And Asaph, like you and me, goes through the world doubting, rejoicing, but also realizing failures. And he wrote this psalm. See if you can see yourself in it. I cry aloud to the God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Asaph was not just merely feeling down. He was feeling abandoned. He had failed and he believed God to be so far away. He continues, though, in verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. 
You have made known your might among the peoples. With your arm you have redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, and he's talking about the waters of the Dead sea, of the Red Sea. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, where they were afraid, indeed the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, and the skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The key or clue in this psalm is understanding of the word in Hebrew, which is remember. In verse 3, he says, when I remember God, I moan. And then he says, let me remember my song in the night. But then later he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. That Hebrew word, zakar, is to remember, appears over and over and over again, which is not merely a remember of something in the past, but a way to make present the Lord's past action, something given to ponder as a token, which leads to the Lord's future action to complete the memory. In other words, what the Lord gives is the fulfillment of his binding promise again and again through Scripture. The inseparability of his word, who he is, and how he has revealed himself in his action and history. We know God's love and are sure of it. We rest in it and are secure, not because we first loved him, not because we feel it in ourselves, in our bones, or deep down, or in our commitment to him, but because he first loved us in action, in mercy in remembrance of his oath and covenant with us. We remember his action, and that is what convinces us. God loved us from before the foundation of the world, and he planned and gave us signs and covenants. He gave us sacraments for our salvation. These are the remembrances of what he has done in the past, and they walk with us inseparably in the future. If Asaph the psalmist were alive today, perhaps this is what he may have said or would have said in his psalm. My arms are stretched out on my pillow. I cannot sleep. I remember how it was before when I praised God, but now I don't feel that. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show me his favor? But then... I will remember the works of the Lord, how he has fulfilled his promise and sent his own son into the world to be my Savior. He did this in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will sing praises for your deeds, for Jesus accomplished everything I need to be put right with God. Christ died on the cross to take my punishment, and having suffered, Jesus then shouted, It is finished, and it is. No more separation. No more awaited promise to be fulfilled. God is reconciled. I have peace with God on account of Christ. Look at all the remembrances, the tokens of God's faithfulness and love to you and for you. 
which bind you to him and prove his inseparable love for you. His coming into the world, his death and resurrection is one, seen by many, his resurrection testified to, and eyewitnesses. Then through his word, God has called you to faith in this Jesus. His word gives you the Holy Spirit, has called you by the gospel and enlightened you with his gifts. His remembrance also in holy baptism, God claimed you. This is fact. You are his child and he has given you faith. God put his name on you. You belong to him. Also, he gives you his body and blood in a supper prepared and given and shed for you. This is fact. This is a token. Paul has more to say about this. He goes on. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Moreover than that, he is raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of God who intercedes for us every day. God's love is inseparable. Are you getting the message? God will not condemn you. Even if other people are against you, God never is. Even if this past year has been against you and the new year to come is against you, God never is. Life can be pretty grim. We Christians will face a host of troubles in the coming years. Some we bring on ourselves, some are thrust upon us. Some just come from living in a sin-damaged world. This life is truly a veil of tears. We feel it daily. And Paul recognizes this reality. And so does Asaph. But in the midst of all this, he has a word that will reassure us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, says Paul, that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Inseparable. That's what it is. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. That's not a wish. That's not a hope. That's a Christmas promise. Based on what he revealed in the Old Testament, the promises fulfilled in the New Testament, the facts of history, the facts of what he's given us in baptism and the Lord's Supper. Take that list of woes and expand it, if you will, like health problems, financial problems, family problems, a bad diagnosis, loss of a job, breakup of a marriage, Perhaps your kids are not living up to what you had hoped. Perhaps you yourself are not living up to what you had hoped. The list could go on and on. 
swimming upstream in our post-Christian culture. Media, education, the government, all turning against the church. The great falling away from faith in our society. The great falling away from the church and the commitment to it by Christians. This is what we are experiencing in our day. It could cause us to lose hope. Where is God? Has he gone on vacation or something? He seems so far away. But God wants us to know today that his love for us is inseparable. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is the proof of that. Your baptism is the proof of that. His body and blood given to you and for you is the proof of that. Take heart and take hold of that promise. Remember the facts and acts that God has done. For God is holding on to you and he will never let go. Happy New Year. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.